an A&E original podcast. I love shrimp. I, I, I don't like sushi, but I like oysters and all that type of stuff. But like crawfish, like the act of breaking and pulling something out and sucking the head. Yeah, that's just weird. And crawfish look like cockroaches. They do. They don't look like little lobsters. No. You want me to suck a cockroach head? Hey y'all, welcome to The Table Is Ours, the show where we chat everything Black. That's identity, progression, and truth. Today I have my favorite co-host, Kirby Dixon. Yes, girl. I don't know why I said that. That's what I wanted to do today. (laughs) If Kirby were a summer look, she would be a crop top with some high-waisted shorts because she's a hottie with a body ready to take the streets, ready to take the Ah. New York streets. Here we go. Here we go. And y'all know who that is. That is my girl, Amira Lawali. If Amira were a summer look, she would be a one-piece romper shorty looking fine as summer wine. I love I love a romper jumpsuit. With only one article of clothing. I do. I love a, <laughs> I love her summer jumpsuit. It's me. It's who I am. They're so cute. Rompers are so cute. I love them. You know, we have to ask this to each other every week, but how are you? How are you doing today? I'm pretty good. Well, yeah. I'm okay. But it's going to be good because I feel the week is ending, but this week has been a little stressful. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. What's been so stressful about it? Well, I don't have a home. <laughs> so <laughs> I bounced between um, Maryland with my boyfriend and Houston with my mom a lot. And so I went to Houston. So traveling is always a lot. And then catching up with work while you're traveling is a lot. So mm-hmm. that's what happened. But how are you? I hear that. I'm good, but I kind of had that feeling this week, too. Like, I went to celebrate my friend's birthday in Maryland this weekend. That's the first time I've been around people, really, and my friends in a really long time, almost a year. Um, So I've seen people here and there, but being around a group of people, that was a lot for me. But I feel you in kind of being a little bit unsettled because even though I'm home in Philly, this hasn't been my home for the past eight years. So, but none of my stuff is here. Everything's still in storage. I wear the same clothes because I'm trying not to (laughs) shop too much on the internet, knowing that I have a whole storage unit filled of clothes and and things that are mine. So so I felt that a little bit this week too. I'm so proud of you because Mm. I have, whenever I'm missing clothes and I'm in the opposite location, I just buy more. That's why I'm broke right now. So (laughs) I am proud of you. Every time I get a package, my boyfriend's like, again, Amira? I'm like, yes. You know what's so crazy about me? I love fashion. I love clothes. I love things that are a little bit like I think people would think bizarre. Like I love that kind of Mm -hmm. high fashion, weird stuff. Yeah. But I also am like one of the few people in the entire world that likes to try on clothes. So I'm not an online shopper, which probably has worked to my advantage during this time. If I go to the store and go to the mall and just be comfortable with trying stuff on, girl, I probably would have been picking up things here and there too. But because a lot of the dressing rooms are closed and things like that, I just look at it and I walk on by. I'm not an online shopper unless it's an Ivy Park drop. (laughs) I love online shopping. Not having to be around people. Yes. Getting tons of options, sending them back when they don't fit right. It's yes. a thrill. But you see those horror stories, right? Where like people buy these 
like prom dresses and things like oh, that yeah. from like abroad and you think yeah. what you thought you were going to get versus what you get is so different. <laughs> I'm traumatized for them. It's like that secondhand embarrassment. <laughs> so yeah. I don't do it anymore because I like I hate going to UPS. I hate going to FedEx. I don't want to put stuff back if it doesn't fit. And next thing you know, you know, I get a, I get a store credit from a shop that I'm never going to purchase from anymore Yeah, because I took too long to take it back. But you know who was serving a look on this oh, podcast this week? The iconic, mm-hmm. the incredible. Tell them. The award-winning Miss Uzo Aduba. Yes. Not even just a look. I She literally popped up and I said, wow, I look dusty. <laughs> like I was like, wow, I should have done my edges. Listen, we had like, to go oh, back no. to the drawing board. I was like, I should have redone this. She looks so good. Over here looking like Mickey Mouse. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and here she comes, literally Mrs. America, glowing on our Zoom screens. Yeah. I literally went. <gasps> <laughs> okay. I'm sure y'all know this multi Emmy award winning queen. But if you don't, she portrays Suzanne, a.k.a. Crazy Eyes from Orange is the New Black, the iconic, historic Miss Shirley Chisholm and Mrs. America, And she has two new projects coming out later this month, including Solos, out May 21st on Amazon, and In Treatment, which is her first leading role in a TV series, out May 23rd on HBO. We love a busy queen, but we instantly connected because we are both first generation and children of real life dreamers. We chatted about the media's portrayal of Black women and mental health crisis and discussed working through grief because it's hard. Uzo Aduba, let's get it. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Well, we are so excited to have you here. Welcome to the table is ours. We have been waiting for this moment for so long. You have no idea. You know, we start this podcast asking everybody the same question. It is a question that both Amir and I feel like does not get asked enough. So first and foremost, girl, how are you? Like, how are you really? Mm, Today, I'm doing great. I'm I'm a little tired. (laughs) Um, I'm not gonna lie lie. because I've also decided now like it's like fine to say like oh today's shit or can I swear on this by the way oh yes (laughs) it is not only allowed it is encouraged if you want to drink go ahead (laughs) got it got it to say that but also like not trying to burden myself with the task of like answering like for my whole life like they're not no one's asking for the summation of my entire existence it's like how are you today so today today I'm I'm okay I'm actually doing good today I am a little bit tired though um we've been running around my team and I doing a lot of talking and meeting new people because our show my show in treatment is coming out you have a lot of good stuff coming out yeah yes. very busy. yeah <laughs> yes um uh, excited so today but today's the last day so I'm like 
great because <laughs> I'm like you're, y'all are the last people that I'm talking to today oh, but good. Uh, yes uh saving the best for last yes and then gonna get a little break for the weekend coming up which is great. wow oh, so we are the finish line and we'll make yes. sure you have a great time yes indeed I know I will how are you all how are you doing I am I'm okay I'm okay I'm gonna be honest I'm okay mm-hmm. it's been a it's been a day but honestly this is the bright spot so in this <laughs> moment I'm great like in this hour, who it's turned around. Good, good. And I am, I am totally there with Amira. This week has been a lot. I am exhausted. Yes. So when you said tired, I was like, yes. Like I sighed myself. Like, yes, I'm tired. But yes. right now I am great. I am on cloud nine. Yes. The club I'm excited for is like that eight o'clock pillow. Oh, That's oh, where I'm like, I'm like. Can I get into that club too? I'm going to, I know someone if you want. (laughs) I will bring a silk pillow just in case. Okay. I have the extra if you want. We will take you up on that. I have extra. I'm like excited. I'm like, what did you do? I'm like, I slept. Well deserved. Yes, yes, yes. yes. But to jump right in, Kirby and I were so excited to speak with you for a few reasons. One, like I feel like very often on this podcast, we talk about like, me and Kirby are very proud of where we come from. Mm-hmm. Like we talk about, we talk about our moms all the time. Mm-hmm. We talk about our relationships with them. And I think, well, even before I researched, I knew that you were first gen too. I'm first gen as well. Yes. First gen, tell me the family. Sierra Leonean. Sierra Leone. That's what I thought. Yep. Okay. And Uzo, your family's from Nigeria, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. So I was reflecting on like what it means to be first gen. It made me laugh because we <laughs> were having our moms on the podcast soon. And I was trying to tell our producers, like she's going to come up and be like, this is going on the internet. <laughs> you're on the internet, Amira? Yes. <laughs> I know, but I, I did want to ask you, what was it like growing up first gen? Were there any culture classes that you had with your parents or other families because it was so different? Culture classes? Absolutely. I mean, yes. Like, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, immediately out the gate, the first culture class is like hanging out. Like it's like the idea of like hanging out, like when parents aren't home absolutely or going somewhere where a parent isn't you know oh yeah definitely not done I I don't even know if in high school we were allowed to have friends over without (laughs) like our parents being I'm not confident that that was allowed like I'm thinking it back I know for sure when I was little like my parents weren't home they were at work if they were wherever like mm-hmm. no one was allowed in the house. Does not matter if Ever. it's Matt Brown from across the street or like, <laughs> yep. you know what I mean? Who they know, it does not matter. Like not allowed. Or are you to go while they're not home? I think also language, like the, what do you call it? Like, is it a a homonym sound alike, but don't, aren't spelled the, the same? same? Meaning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or same homonym has same meaning. So I can't remember what a homophone, homophone. It was like a homophone type word, like Snickers and sneakers. You know, <laughs> like I, my mom would be like, "Go and get me a sneaker from the fridge," and be like, "Yes, Snickers, you mean?" And she'd be like, "Sneakers." We would like <laughs> over and enunciate the word, like making fun back at us. What else? Like, oh, well, I mean, and these this wasn't actually my parents. I think the like the biggest one I would probably say was. <laughs> Going to college, I went to school for voice performance. Mm-hmm. My parents were actually where this isn't a culture class from my parents, but this is definitely a culture class from my like extended family. My parents were actually really super supportive of me going into the arts. They they Great. really did like oh that's amazing. That yeah. doesn't happen very often. Yeah, my mom was like, "So you're going to study what else in TV?" 
Like what <laughs> the medical version of TV? Yes, like a doctor on TV, consultant. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, they were no, they were supportive. They were supportive. I mean, even down to I don't know if this is true for you, Amira, or not. But like we also like my siblings and I. My parents were very progressive in this front. Like we were playing sports. We were like in the drama club. Like that was also like not super common with like a lot of my family friends who yeah. were also Nigerian. Like it's like we go to school and we come home and study. And yeah. my parents were like, you go to school, you study, and then you can do those activities. And those activities uh-huh. will definitely go away yeah. if the grades aren't met. But like a hundred percent. I was at my graduation party and I remember my uncle sat me down. And he asked me what it was I was getting ready to do. And I told him I was going to school for voice performance, which is music singing. And then he just like looked at me for a beat and was like singing. I mean, like ordinary singing. And I was like, I guess. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Ordinary singing. I will yep. never like singing. Ordinary singing. Like, I was like, yes. Like, yeah. But they were fine. This is funny. My mom would put us in all of these things. And she was like, this is how you get into American college. So you just got to do everything. <laughs> she knew! She I was in Girl Scouts for way too long. I'll just leave it at that. Wait, when do you, how long were you in Girl Scouts Let's, for? Um, literally. <laughs> <Graduation>. <laughs> yeah, when you did I graduate? When I got my diploma? She was like, no, you have to stay in. You need a scholarship. In college, you were a Girl Scout? No, 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 high school. Oh, <laughs> oh that's embarrassing. I was going to say, so Amira, can I still order Girl Scout cookies from you right now? <laughs> I mean, I have some. I have some. <laughs> I have a hookup. Can I get some Thin Mints? Thin Mints. Oh, Thin Mints. <laughs> well, it's so funny because I am not the daughter of first-generation dreamers, but I relate to you guys in so much, especially you, Uzo, because another thing that Amir and I discuss a lot is we have what people would call like bizarre names, different names, but we're very proud of our names, right? Very yes. protective. So my name is Kirby and I'm always mistaken for a guy really which has actually i've learned to use it to my benefit <laughs> really yes you think kirby is a boy mr dixon mr kirby um hello sir all of the time and amira's name is so beautiful and so different to the fact that people don't even know what her real name is <laughs> i'm i'm gonna need to know two things first of all a kirby why did your parents name you kirby well, you know, it's funny. You want to say, no, like no, it. no. Like my mom loves surnames for girls. So anything that can be considered one or the other. So like Jordan or yeah, you yeah. can't really I tell. One of my favorites. Yeah. yeah. So my great aunt, rest in peace, used to work in a school and she had a little girl in her class whose name was Kirby. She adored her. And my mom had said, Kirby. Oh my God. I love that name. I decided to name me after her. So. Wow. Yeah. No crazy story. Thank you, student Kirby. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> so shout out to Kirby wherever you are. <laughs> and, you know, we didn't need to do research on you, but we did on some of your background. And you have a beautiful name as well. But we know you didn't always embrace your name. So wondering when did you start embracing your full self, including your name? I mean, the fullness of my name, I think... It's funny because it's like when I was a kid, definitely like my mom, you know, my mom wasn't my first rodeo. I'm the mm-hmm. I'm through third of five, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So she'd already been down the road of like kids approaching her with like new machinations of, yeah. like their, <laughs> of their names, you know what I'm saying? So like here I come thinking I'm all smart and slick and she's like, I've 
they never done that. Like, it's like, <laughs> and probably why her answer came so quick and was like, no, this is what we're going to call you instead. You're not going to call yourself that. They can to say Ozamaka. They can to say Tchaikovsky and Dostoevsky and Michelangelo. They can to yes. say Ozamaka. Yes. Like, and just like, keep it moving. You know, Zoe Watts. You know, like, <laughs> you know, like that kind of thing and keep it pushing. I think that, I don't know. I don't know. I, I can't think of like a specific moment when suddenly my name was embraced. I think it was like, well, I tried that one. So it's like not <laughs> happening. Like I'm stuck with it. Right. But I do know there was like this weird evolution of being in primary school when that name was being constantly mispronounced to then being in middle school where now you don't just have the one teacher, but you know, I don't know if this is true for you guys in your middle school, but like then you're rotating classes. Mm -hmm. So you have like every, on the first day of school, you know, it's like homeroom teacher and then like X, Y, and Z teacher thereafter throughout the course of the day. And it kind of went from like, the heart palpitations of like, are they going to screw up my name? And is this going to become a big thing and big deal and whatever to like sitting there, like not helping at all. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love that energy. (laughs) Yes. Cause I was second on my class homeroom list. One student right before me, Dan Abramson was first and then me, Aduba Mm -hmm. AD. And it would be like, you would see each teacher as you go around and they'd be like, you can watch them like with the class list, you know? And they're like, I know. <laughs> and I they're looking that. at you and you're just sitting there like, oh my god. It became gosh. like a funny game to then like, I'm not ha- give it your best. I'm here for it too. What's what are you what was it gonna sound like? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then like to where I am now, I would say like to arriving at a place where it's like not wanting to race by how to say it and whatever version you come up with is fine enough for me to someone attempting it and hoping for me to give them the permission to say it however suits them to me stopping and saying we'll do this correction we'll get it you know I understand there's placement and things like that it might not be pitch perfect because it is tonal but we are going to stand here and try just as I had to learn how to Mm -hmm. spell a a smattering of consonants against like a single vowel, we will also stand here and give that time as much time and space as well. And I think that's where I live now. You know what I mean? I don't know about y'all. Yeah, it is not that hard. I remember having a, my best friend in elementary school, her last name was Wojohowicz. Mm -hmm. And it is spelled so specially that I just remember being a kid, second or third grade, like, Oh my God. It was like almost like a prize. I would almost say happily. I can spell her last name. I don't know how to pronounce it. It was like a game. I loved it. It was always not hard. And your full name is not hard either. So if you take the time to just hear what's being said. Yeah. It's like, I just want people just respect it. Like I respect your name. Give me the same respect I give you. I, when we were back in the office, there was like a new girl um, who was on our floor and she kept calling me a Myra. And our mm. floor was full of people who clearly knew my name. And I had to, for literally two months, I had to correct her. But I think it bugged me because, like, no one on her team or around her corrected her as well. I was like, mm. she, like, I was like, girl, you've known me for three years. You know how I feel about my name. You should tell yes. your friend. And you know my name. You know yeah. my name. 
And it's not hard. Yeah. And you know what Amira, she's doing Amira? makes me uncomfortable. I was like, well, my name's Amira and I won't answer you if you call me Myra again. But then she got it right. So, hey, girl, you should have totally just been like, okay, Brittany. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> pronouncing her name incorrectly. Exactly. Ashley. Ashley. Exactly. Ashley Y. Like, whatever. Like, you know, like. So, wait. So, is Amira your full name? Amira's my middle name. My first name is Aziza. Aziza Amira Luwale. Ooh. Ooh, this podcast is going to blow up after you said that. Amira. What is Aziza? Aziza means powerful. Amira means princess. My mom, like, she didn't know what she was doing. She was like, here, here she comes. But then what happened was, Aziza is my first name. I went for it the first few years. But then they told me as a child, like, <laughs> eight-year-old me, Amira meant princess. And I was like, oh, this is how I can con people into calling me royalty. <laughs> You're like, and all you needed to say. <laughs> I was like, I can make my sisters call me a princess every day. <laughs> this is what we're going to move forward with. And so it shall be. The vanity. That's literally what's happened since then. The 20 vanity. years ago. Wow. Does anybody call you Aziza? People call me Aziza when I'm in trouble. Like when they're like, oh, Aziza. And I'm like, oh, really? don't say my government name. I'm in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> really? Does your mom, is your mom? Your, my mom calls me Amira. They all call me Amira. Wait, so she named you Aziza, but she always called you Amira or you changed it to Amira? My mom wanted my first name to be Amira from like birth. My dad wanted it Aziza out of respect for an aunt. So she always ah, wanted to call me Amira. So she was like, so she was like okay, we win. <laughs> <laughs> we both win. <laughs> yeah, Fine with me. That's amazing. Uza, we do want to pivot to talk about your start in the industry and we are black women in media. So we're so fascinated with this part of the world, especially on your side of things. And we know that as black women, it is not easy to get into this industry at all. And especially, you know, someone like you and like Amira, who is coming from a family that may not necessarily understand this world. It's even more complicated to try and get assistance and help. But I'm wondering, as you were navigating the space, you know, going into voiceover work and things like that, was there ever a time that you said, you know what, this is too much. I can't get my foot in the industry. I want to quit. Yes. What did that look like? Um, it looked like September 14th, 2013, uh, where, Whoa. where uh, on a Friday where I, right before I got orange, you know, so the first job I had on television was Orange is the New Black. Yes, um, please shout it, it out was... again. <laughs> I got to know. Oh, so we had, we had Danielle Brooks on the podcast as no, well. When? Yes. What was Danielle on? When was she on? About a month ago? Yeah, about a month ago. Right from Mahalia's. Oh, yeah. Isn't she the best? I know y'all had a good Kiki. Oh, we had a good Kiki. Yeah, <laughs> we did have a good time. <laughs> I know she's hilarious. She's hilarious. funny. <laughs> yeah, that, like then I did. I think then I had like, like I had, you know, throughout the years had questioned work and things mm-hmm. like this and had challenges and struggles and, you know, hardship. But that was the first time I ever quit right before I got orange. I mean, and I mean like quit in my heart quit. Like I was mm-hmm. like, I meant done. what I said. I meant what yeah. I said. Exactly. Yeah. Um, it wasn't like I quit, but it's like, but I'm going to still go to that audition tomorrow. It was like, no, I quit. And then that, that, evening 5 43 p.m i will never forget i will never for the rest of my life i will not i will never forget it because when i did when i quit i ordered sushi and some wine to have a like i'm going to law school party like you no. know and um invited my sister over <laughs> and yeah and then i wound up getting home and getting the call at 5 43 p.m that i had got booked orange is the new black wow and it just turned my whole life around and i had quit because it's like 
that summer I had been trying for film and television for the mm-hmm. first, like really trying for the first time ever in my career. I'd never really gone out for it before. Mm-hmm. I knew that I wanted to, but I think I was really scared to speak it aloud and into existence as tr- my truth, because I just did not see anybody like me who looked like me with a, or, or enough people with proximity to me doing it. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I love the title of your show because it's like, it's just that, that language similar to, you know, what former Congresswoman Shirley Chisholm, like in talking about a seat at a table, yes. you know, there yes. was just, it's like everybody wants to go to a party when you're invited. Right. Nobody wants to be the one that's like, they're crashing the party, you know? And I just couldn't see a seat for me that was set at the table, you know? And yes. so it just seemed like something like that would just never happen. It just felt like something that was never going to happen yeah. um, because I didn't see the invitation to it, into it. And um, then when that call came and, you know, all the amazing, wonderful things that transpired after within our show and the cast and all of this, it was like, I don't think I realized fully to the degree I had felt invisible until I felt seen. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I can relate to that so much. How Kirby tell me, you know, Amira and I, and we talk about it a lot on this podcast. And the great thing is that people are finally listening, even at our company and we're in corporate America Mm. and it's traditionally a very white space. And even if you have um, people that look like you and I, we tend to be at the bottom when you look at that executive level, you don't yeah. see anyone that looks like you. And I think yeah. um, in these past couple of years, Amir and I have found the importance uh, and the meaning that you can't be what you can't see. And we confided mm-hmm. in each other and we found ourselves in each other. Mm-hmm. So um, mm-hmm. that's really what sparked our desire to create this show is that we wanted to make sure that other young people, other young black women specifically in this industry and coming up in this industry would have something to look towards and know that it Mm. was possible. And we wanted to pull from our faves, our black faves like you to hear about your journey so that as we're starting to forge our own path, we can kind of take the lessons that you guys have already learned and start to put it into practice ourselves. So, you know, knowing that you've been in a room and you don't see anyone that looks like you, you just want to give up. You tried to, you know, voice ideas or Mm -hmm. concepts or pitch stories and, the people on the receiving end just don't understand it. So they say, no, Mm -hmm. that's what we've been navigating. And I think we're finally at a space because of people like you, where we can so confidently stand in our truth and the table is ours. So I don't care. I don't care if your table's not set up. Ours is. And we want you guys to bring seats. Yeah. I feel like very weirdly emotional right now. We're talking about feeling, <laughs> I'm trying like not to tear, but I felt like there are times in my career where I felt so invisible. It's the Capricorn in you. It's the Capricorn in me, but like. Here she I, goes. Capricorn, she said. Yeah, I love yeah, it. Here she goes. I love it. <laughs> no, I felt like, I just remember thinking like, I feel, they can't see me. Like, mm. I don't know how to explain it to people who don't get it, but like, I know you can't see me. And yeah. it either makes you uncomfortable yeah. I'm here or you just don't understand what to do with me. So the fact that you almost gave up and you're like, like key representation for us and like who we see like that makes me so sad that you were to the point of giving up because like I, I this is very selfish but like I needed you like I needed to see mm. you so the fact that you're so close makes Ooh. me 
very sad. But I'm happy that you're here. And I'm happy that we're here. You know what, Amira? Yeah. Uzo, the road is good. The road is good. (laughs) That is literally what I see. What did those audition rooms look like for you, though? Were they just as discouraging? You know, were you walking into auditions and be like, dang, no one else here looks like me. Am I like trying out for the right role? (laughs) No. Or, or, Or you see, it's like one of two things. It's like either you're feeling like, you're go and I felt like I was going out a lot, by the way, that when I started audition that time when I started going out for t- film and television, I felt like I was going out a lot and still felt like I was going out a fraction of the amount of time as my non-women of color peers, black mm-hmm. female specifically peers. And then what those a lot felt like a combination of things. It felt like either what my role on the project was in service to do was nothing that centralized myself or the character's experience or any experience I was familiar with. It felt like um, I was there as, I call it like theater roles. Mm -hmm. Like my job, it's like, and this is a horrible analogy because like you ran track and I actually believe every leg to be important, but it's like, <laughs> it's like, it's like third leg on the real leg. Where that was like, my, that was yeah. my position. Oh God. <laughs> I was moving too. I was trying to get the baton to the next one. Yeah. You're moving, but the people we remember when you think of when they're talking about like relay, it's like first and anchor. First and like last. Yep. First, you know what I mean? Like set the race and finish it. And it felt like my job is just to help facilitate those two parts to get them to the finish line. As though right. that, like my role is not crucial enough to be recognize your role Kirby on the track right like it's like when it is it's like that baton's not getting from two to four without three so you know what I mean like why not give it give her her flowers right and that's kind of like I was like I'm not interested in being the one who's like the body was close to the door but the keys were still in the lock so it doesn't look like it was a forced entry so she knew her I would bet it was somebody have you asked the boyfriend? You know what I mean? Where it's like, yeah. and now we keep going with the thing. I wasn't interested in that. It's like, how can we never know anything about that person? You know what I mean? Who clearly is the one we're all going to for. <laughs> like, like, knows everything. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like clearly knows a lot more than what we're giving her to do. So I was, I was seeing a lot of that. I also, I think the real piece, I don't know if this is true for you. I think it's probably true for you, but uh, tell me if I'm wrong. Like, Knowing that how, like, I'm seen is limited as an artist, like how you are literally seeing me, puts boundaries around what then was believed I was capable of. Yes. And always wanting to make art that was expansive and exploratory and so much more than the limited view they could see of and also limited view of how they perceive more important what they saw of my skin color my dark skin my full lips my broad nose uh my almond shaped eyes my body type my gap my voice my carriage suggests is such a narrow idea and like single line phrase of who i am if that's what's defining all of me, mm-hmm. yeah, you know what I mean? If that's meant to define all of me and now also simultaneously shape the art that I am allowed 
to make. And that did not, art is supposed to be freeing and releasing and opening. And now I suddenly felt very boxed into something. Very small, that I, yeah. Very small. And a person I didn't even know have never met when I would, you know what I mean? Right, yeah. So I don't know if you guys ever had that in your workspace and that's what made you, you know, build the table. Oh, that's exactly what made it, that's exactly yeah. what happened. Because I was like, who is that girl? Like, <laughs> I was like, I yeah. know her, I've never known her before. This is awkward. I don't yeah. want to continue getting to know her. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I don't feel good. <laughs> totally. But that kind of brings us to, we wanted to touch on your roles a little bit because Kirby and I were chatting and we feel like you are so intentional with the roles that you take from Crazy Eyes to Shirley. I love Mrs. America. Yes. Also, that ar- <laughs> that entire Orange cast, like y'all are doing the damn thing. Yeah. Like in every role, all of you guys, I feel like are so intentional and we're, yeah. we're lucky to, thank you for blessing us with that. <laughs> thank you. I'll receive it for us. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> How do you choose your roles? Like, what does it take for you to take a second glance at a role and say, oh, this is something that I could portray or should portray? Well, first I would say is story. Because when Orange, like, this wasn't, like, it wasn't like I was like, I was turning down pots left and right before Orange. That was not the case. That was not, I was like, it was the first one that called. But I can say (laughs) that um, Orange was one of two scripts that I read that summer that were excellent, not good, not great, excellent. I distinctly remember thinking, reading that pilot script and being like, that was excellent. I would love to be a part of something like that. And it stood supreme against everything else I had auditioned for. And I think having had that experience coupled with the experience of making Orange, just sort of like made me zone, like super zone into something that had been true for me in theater, which is like, I just want to be a part of good stories and be a part of things that excite me creatively make me feel inspired or like I have something to say so that just was something I carried over into film and television now is like do I like the story did I like the the, the, the script itself like is there something in it that I like okay yes and then the part itself is like do I feel inspired or charged or like I have something to say? That's been the other part for me. And if I don't feel like I have something to say, or if the the script itself isn't like shining on light on something that's been missing or the part isn't, then I'm kind of like, I don't need to do that. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you guys go about like doing your gig or like, who you even want to talk to like do you does that play into you know what I mean like are you how do you determine like how you want the conversations who you want to be in conversation with I think we've been very lucky with the guests who have graced mm-hmm. our pod which I which also thank you thank you for coming yes thank you for having me <laughs> loving this PS. okay <laughs> we we think it's really important to have the conversations where not only any of the company wants but we as black women want Right. Mm-hmm. So specifically, Danielle, for example, was so open in public about her pregnancy. And mm-hmm, Herbie mm-hmm. and I have been very open with each other about how like terrified we are of it because the stats we see about it. Mm-hmm. And then, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. so we were like, mm-hmm. oh, we can have mm-hmm. a mm-hmm. black woman to black women conversation about like how we feel. Yes. So yeah. it's just we're lucky that this podcast is a safe space that we're able to push what boundaries and what themes that we really want to talk about. And it could be a theme that maybe not have to not have to do with the guests, but they like have touched on it briefly and we're like how do you really feel about that yeah Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. I think what I love about this is that 
there's such a relatability to all of us. I don't think that we'll ever find a guest that we can't relate to them in some way, especially because mm-hmm. we're centering black voices. So black women and black men, black people, period. So there's yeah. just like a, a natural understanding and kind of common experience that we've all gone through at some point. So it's almost like we're giving a little bit of an inside look into what it's like to be black people existing mm-hmm. and yeah. period just living our lives like the things that we have to deal with day in and day out and the range I feel like that you have on the show of experiences too you know of guests that are not just like a singular monolith you know what I mean like which is like but yet like you said to your point Kirby like there is universality in that you know what I mean and relatability in that regardless of like the background education career path you know, age, whatever, all of it, that, like, we all can find some kinship. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. We're going to get to your incredible character and in treatment, but we all know that Shirley Chisholm was a force. We're still living by the words and the things that she's laid out for us to this day. Yes. Yes. But Crazy Eyes in particular, you brought such a softness and a beauty to Black women going through mental health issues. I think Crazy Eyes is actually probably my favorite character. One, because, girl, you killed that role. So good. (laughs) I remember, I think that's one of the first shows that I watched, and I'm just like, wow, that actress is really good. (laughs) I would would literally like, isn't this real? There are two people, like J-Lo and Selena and you and Crazy Eyes, where I'm like, oh, those are just characters. Yes, I'm real people in real life. Uh, Wait, J-Lo and Selena? I thought Jaylo did that Selena. role. Too, oh, like Selena! Yeah, my mind went to Selena Gomez. For <laughs> oh some my reason. god! I, like, I am not even funny. First, I, the first time I thought you said Shakira, and then I was like, "What?" Like, and I was like, "She said Selena." And oh my, my gosh! Mind, yes. What did she? Yes. Continue. Now I'm with yep. you. And yes, I love yes. her in that. Movie. Continue. Yeah. But for a while, I thought I was just like, "This is she's crazy, guys. This is who she is. This this is a real person. I know that that's my homegirl. That's my yep. friend." No. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, but that's the show too. I mean, like, I, I, la 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 love that show, and like, you know, every year of it had like a variety of experiences um, and evolutions as we were like growing in our characters, being on a you know show for longer, uh, and experience within um, entertainment. But you know, those early years in particular, where all of us were so new. It was was and still is the most inclusive cast I've ever worked with before. Mm-hmm. Every single actor, you know, Kirby, what you're talking about, like everybody going off to do other things since. Like, I think that's just, I'm proud to know that that is reflective of the talent that like I got to witness and experience. Yeah, pat yourself on the back. <laughs> Not me. I don't even mean me. I don't mean me. I mean like that cat, like it's like you could watch and be like, everybody here is excellent. Like everyone is excellent. Every single person is excellent. And just like, of course, you know, 
Selenis Leva is now on Diary of a Future President. Like, of course, Danielle is doing Mahalia. Of course, Samira went on to go and do Handmaids. Of course, Natasha went on to create Russian Doll. Of course, you know what I mean? Of course, of course, of course, because everybody had a wealth, a wealth of talent was beyond, beyond, beyond. It was a well that was never going to run dry. The, the amount of talent that existed on that show. Of course, Adrian's doing a, you know, a body cop show. You know what I mean? Like, of yeah. course, it's just like, that was, they were, they were killing it, you know, and you know, like, and space opened up, thankfully, and they continue, you yes. know, in a time where like, like those talents had always existed. You know what I mean? They had, that had always been there in them. And also by the way, in the women and men who had come before them. Yeah, you know, but like the season for them to be seen and to excited excite existed. What were those conversations like with the producers when you're portraying a black woman who's experiencing her own mental health issues? Like knowing that there's such a stigma in the black community around particularly mental health, especially in black women dealing with their own mental health issues. Like, were you ever nervous about that when you were portraying crazy ass, or did you have conversations with the team behind the scenes to make sure you were giving an authentic portrayal and not just creating a caricature of what mental health looked like. Right. We never had a conversation per se. I don't remember any discussion ever being had. I do know that I like, I would get DMS and posts or like fan mail, you know, of people writing in who were like, this is my daughter. You are my mother you are me. Yeah. And knowing that I had seen like mental health discussions happen on film and, you know, and on TV that had never seen like in the same way within treatment, like I just never seen someone of my ilk telling it. And so I, I don't think I felt scared as much as I just did feel a responsibility to try not to make it something that I don't know just felt like totally ridiculous or impossible to be an experience for us right you know what I mean like that was more the thing I just felt like I felt responsible I felt responsible for Suzanne and I think maybe now because I have more distance from like doing the gig Mm -hmm. like a responsibility to us as well absolutely speaking of in treatment um, that trailer looks amazing. Nah. We, oh wait, we've gotten sneak peeks of episodes. We did. Oh, you I, have? Didn't, I didn't want to. Yes. I didn't want to tell, but we got the hookup, guys. <laughs> she's, uh, she's like, we got it. We got it, and we watched yes. it. <laughs> oh, cool. So watching it, it, it made me reflect on the first time I actually went to therapy, and I went to therapy. My me, my sisters, and my mom. We lost my dad when I was like eleven, really young. Oh, so my mom, thank you, but my mom, she was. For someone who's first generation, she was actually very open to therapy, which I mm-hmm. completely applaud mm-hmm. her for. Mm-hmm. 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 My question for you, was therapy part of your life growing up or was it something that you came about? Like, is this just the scene or was this something that you've had a connection to for a while? I did not go to therapy when I was young, but I don't, I actually don't think it would have been ruled out by uh, my family. My mom, my mom was a social worker. Oh, that's great. That's good. So like she also, I think had like an openness to it. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. sort of in the world of health, mental health, all of this. So I, I, I don't think so. And, but I did uh, go to therapy in my, uh, go to therapy in my adulthood, my adult self. 
and she knew and never said anything like in opposition of that. I would have to say like in certain ways, like areas like that, like as much culture clash as I did experience, like on a Friday night where like everybody's having pizza and we're having like jollof rice, like (laughs) I would have like, I did also see what like, I think, I don't know if y'all call it the same thing, Amira, like, like progressive parents as well, who like, oh, yeah, certain sort of things to be like, that's a good thing that's happening. And therapy was one of those things as an adult when I went, she was like totally open to and encouraging on. Um, do you, Kirby? I'm in therapy. I have been for a while. And I think the thing that I love most about in treatment, the few episodes that we've watched so far, is that it really makes silence a big character. Like, and, and I think mm. my therapist has always been trying to make me okay and get comfortable with silence. And I feel that when I'm watching the episodes, like I, I'm, I'm able to see how big of a character saying nothing and the moments that you have between your clients Mm -hmm. is just as important to the storyline as the conversations that you're having. Mm -hmm. And um, we know like this year, this past year in particular has been really you know, challenging for you because you've lost your mom. So sorry, our condolences. Yeah, seriously. Thank you. Very sorry Thank about you. that. And I'm wondering how this role for you is different than anything you've done before and if it's forced you to pull from those personal moments in a way that you've never had to do with a character before. It's funny. It's like when I was both, you know, Suzanne, Crazy Eyes Warren, and Shirley Chisholm were characters who – both of those roles were roles that I could draw experiences like glimpses from my own life or experiences I have witnessed to help sort of shape and mold that character for myself. But like I had distance from those experiences, you know what I mean? Versus in treatment, the experiences that I obviously naturally would draw on, which are pain and loss, were things that were like bumping up against my real life. That was like the difference. I think like I had not had that experience, but there was still creation of, you know, this character and this woman, there still were like areas where our lives diverged from one another. But I also really did, did totally understand and know what it feels like to lose someone and be in pain over it. And, um, I could understand what it meant to lose track of your pain, what it looks like to lose track of your pain. Even if we experience it differently, I do know what it looks like to lose track of your pain. How are you able to kind of draw those boundaries between work and life? Because in watching it too, Amir and I have both very differently experienced very close grief and loss in our lives. So a lot of times when I see shows like this, it brings me right back to that place and shows me the power and significance in therapy, because I remember when I lost a really close friend of mine, Mm. I went straight to my therapist. I went to my mom first and I called my therapist. So wondering for you, as you're navigating this space, how are you able to set those boundaries for yourself? Well, first, I'm sorry about the loss of your friend. And I hope both of you are healing. Drawing those boundaries, I think it's putting the legacy of my mom first. Yeah. Probably. You know what I mean? And remembering what she wanted for not only mine, but my siblings, our lives. Uh, you know, and things, you know, that, <laughs> you know, she had said, you know, like, uh, 
you know, like to be sad, but not sad, sad. Be sad, but not sad, sad. Like, yeah. Just one sad, you know, yeah. <laughs> like things like that. Uh, Cause she was like, don't be sad. It was funny actually. She was like, don't be sad, you know? And then she was like, actually be sad, but not sad, sad. <laughs> like, you know, she like interrupted herself. Like, actually I do want you to cry. Just not forever. You yeah. know, but so, you know, remembering that, and remembering that what my parents came here to do, mm, my yes. mother instilled in us for to be what she had as her own dreams for our lives, which was for us to be living our dreams. And so I had to remember that I was here living my dream and getting to live it with her even still, you know, like I had to remember like she's gone in a way, but it's like, but... I'm her. She's always with me now. You know what I mean? And that's a powerful thing to also hold on to. And so I think it was like, that was one part. And I think then the boundary of the safe space. And of course it can get like trickier when you're dealing with things that have like such close proximity, but Mm -hmm. remembering that this is something that I am here to be in service. I really do think of art as like a service industry. And even though I felt like I did get a lot back in doing this job, like it can't become about me or else it's about me. And I'm not really doing what I'm here to be in service of. Do you know what I mean? Right. No, I understand that. Yeah. And so that was kind of the boundary where it's like, yeah, trying to remember like what you are here to do is to share and tell a service in hopes of sparking something in someone. And if it becomes too deeply Uzo, Uzo and your, then what are you doing? What, what, you could have done this in your room. You could have just, right. you know what I mean? Like you could have done this <laughs> at your house. You didn't need to do it on for, in front of cameras and put it out into the world. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. You spoke about when you mentioned grief and pain, kind of like getting lost and how you put it aside and deal with other things. Like I was telling Kirby yesterday the type of therapy I went to when we lost my dad. And Mm. look, my mom did the best she could. And honestly, like I will, this is, this place is still very sacred to me. There's this place called Houston called Bo's Place. And I think the people in the hospital, my dad had cancer. So the hospital would like Mm. send kids there because- it's a place where you go when you grieve with kids your own age. Like I was in a group mm. with kids who lost parents all different ways. And my little sister was in a group with kids all of her age that lost parents at the same time. Mm. But for me, because I'm a monster, um, <laughs> at 12 years old. A monster. A monster. A monster. <laughs> I like that. That's my new bio. Wait, I turn a negative into a positive. Okay. I'm a star. <laughs> because I'm a monster. I, I took my first therapy session. I was like, oh, wow, everyone loses their parents. It's okay. Mm-hmm. And I did not even dig deep there until I was 24. Like, I just, I was, I dealt with it. I felt it at that moment, but I was like, oh, this is normal. There are mm. 10 kids from different subdivisions, different areas of Houston. I don't know them, but they all lost their parent around the same time. So I was like, oh, look, this is usual. Pain is usual. Mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I never for 10 15 years I was just like okay everyone hurts and then something happened at 24 I was like oh I should deal with this mm. <laughs> like I should resurface this go back to this and see what happened there because I think I healed from it but the way I saw pain in others wasn't fair to others and fair to my friendships mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. I was very like mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. you feeling that mm-hmm. test isn't that bad 
The breakup mm. isn't that bad. And I was one of those people mm. that's so mm. gross, but I wouldn't let people feel pain because I was like, there's always something worse happening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But we, we love therapy here. We talk about it quite often. We do. We love black women in therapy. I know. <laughs> but it's needed. I think it's good that you talk about it though, because it's like in our community, I think for a long time, it's like, I feel like there's a pivot that's like now starting to happen, but mm-hmm. it feels like for a long, I don't know if you guys agree, but like, feels like for a long time that wasn't, the norm you know what I mean like it was certainly not something discussed it's like don't try the therapist try Jesus you know what I mean like kind of thing or like you can talk to your family or your friends or your pastor you know like that as a resource wasn't portrayed nor was it portrayed in entertainment or even like portrayed within the community I think like as a resource intended for us right yeah you know, it was like, people do go and do that. We just know. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? Like, and I think it's good that it's now being, it's like still on like the heels, like I think a little bit of being normalized, but like, but I can feel that like, you know what I mean? Like I can feel that break point, like really hopefully happening where it's not such a like dirty word or, you know, polarizing Thing, you know, thing. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of people that relate to being the client in this show and to mm-hmm. being in your position. I'm just proud that we got a black woman portraying this because I know <laughs> that is my reality. Okay, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> but also, I mean, speaking of stars and stores, <laughs> we are at the virtual table with someone who is a multi Emmy Award winner. Multi. And you just locked a huge CBS deal, production deal, where you are now going to be the person giving the directions and producing all of these incredible content. So this is a different role for you. This is a different hat that you're wearing. (laughs) So wondering, what is your approach kind of stepping into the producer role? And are there any things that you want to make sure you see on your sets to make everyone kind of feel comfortable? Um, yes. <laughs> I want to see, <laughs> see inclusion. I want to see people. I want this to be a space that encourages, supports, give life to the unique stories that have laid absent mm-hmm. in the space. I want to, you know, help create and develop stories that educate, inspire, and entertain. Mm-hmm. that feel authentic to the storyteller and the and to the audience and I would I want nothing more than to serve as a bridge to the stories of the missing you know and when I say the missing I don't like necessarily mean I don't exclusively mean excuse me like just stories of figures we've over history that we haven't heard though I do mean that yeah but parts and faces and places we've not yet seen voices occupy is what I also mean you know that a story like a Brooke Taylor you know who's grown up in this Baldwin Hills region as a mental health professional mm-hmm. like that person does exist because we know her him you know what I mean and I want to see that story told equally as the other stories that I've seen told so that's my dream and desire to see and and find place for just for the place and space for the missing yeah I like that that's beautiful I like that a lot I am excited to see the table you build and the team you build because I just I love this era that we're in 
that mm-hmm. like everyone is building their own tables and like saying we're not gonna let you put us in the corner anymore mm-hmm. absolutely the head seat also i have one request can we please make sure that anthony ramos always has a seat at your table ah! <laughs> that energy the chemistry yes. for him but you guys are great together oh my gosh he is life such a sweetheart you know he has a new project coming out shout out in the heights oh yeah and i gotta give love to my castmate dasha polanco who's also in that my castmate there yes yeah. yes he is phenomenal talent was an incredible scene partner artist to work with like i was so happy to see him get to do a project such as this um that is so different from hamilton is so different from she's gotta have it so different from um in the heights you know but it still has that same heart he is a focused craftsman you know like he is and he's an he's a star also he's a bright incredible star and a gentle beautiful human soul stars brightening stars <laughs> he's he's a star so like he was amazing and also i have to give love to all of them you know like everybody they were all just amazing but yes anthony was a, a pure 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 delight and just a true artist oh i love that so we know you have so much coming up, but can you tell the listeners, like, what's next? What else do you have? What do we have to look out for? Put us on. I wish I could put you on, but you can keep checking, refreshing, <laughs> refreshing, because it's okay. coming. Okay. 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 <laughs> you know what? What I want to do, continue to do, is I want to work with great people, mm-hmm. fun people, people who make me better, people who challenge me i want to work with fun people and have fun experiences i want to see the world yeah and i want to do something we've never seen before oh oh that's beautiful well we'll be watching out for that (laughs) i mean for now and we didn't get to touch on solos but everybody needs to uh, look out for in treatment and for solos on Amazon, I mean, that just clearly is just the next few things that you have coming up. But clearly there's a lot more that we should be refreshing that page. Busy, busy, busy. <laughs> <laughs> also, we like to end every podcast in some iteration of this. So if you could fill in the blank, my black is powerful because. It radiates and shines through the world. Ooh. That was good. (laughs) That was so fast. I wasn't ready. It gave me chills. (laughs) That's why. Thank you so much. Yes. Thank thank you you so much for coming. This literally was the light in my day. That was very good. Oh, good. Light in the week. (laughs) Yeah. A very dark, dim week. Good. Yeah. You can come back anytime, please. Any way that we can help support you and bring your light out into the world even brighter. Uh, We're here for you. So come back anytime. Thank you, guys. You guys, this is a, a perfect way to end the day for me, too. I was like, this is perfect. I like the melanin on the screen. I love all of it. I love it. The Table's Ours is produced by us, Kirby Dixon and Amira Lawali. This episode was also produced by McKamey Lynn and Richard White and edited by Melissa Kaplan. Our researcher is Emma Fredericks. Our executive producers are Jesse Katz and Ted Butler. The Table's Ours was created by A&E. Subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. See you next week.